Are there nerds here tonight? Nerds! You are a part of the lucky 10,000 with your hosts, Evan. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Carissa. Not hot in spite of being a geek, but because of it. Being a nerd, it's not about what you love. It's about how you love it. Hey guys. Hey. And welcome to the Lucky 10,000. I'm Evan. I'm Carissa. And this is the show that proves you can be a geek about anything, as I think we have established in the, I don't know, 50-so-something podcast we've done up to this point. Although, uh, also, in this one, we're going to try to prove ugh. that just because you're a geek about a lot of things doesn't mean you get to be a geek about everything. I'm starting to think that if any episode of the show causes any controversy among the geek community, this is going to be the one. Well, I hope that it's this one, so it's early, and then we can just get it out of the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and we're all, you know, we're all honest here. Uh, we 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 hide nothing, and I'm I'm sure that nothing we talk about today will have nearly as much bile as, say, Equilibrium or Night of the Living Dead 30th anniversary will. But right. today's episode is going to be about things that are very popular in the geek community, amongst geeks we know, love, and respect, even that we either know nothing about, have no interest in, or have tried it, and like a like a bad dose of heroin got <laughs> fucked up and decided yeah, never to touch trip. it again. Yep. So I'm going to let Carissa go ahead and start, and start big, because uh, I think I know what you're going to talk about first, and if this doesn't stop you from listening to the rest of the episode, then nothing else we say will. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go big or go home, so mm-hmm. I'm already home. I guess I have to go big. Uh, I hate Game of Thrones, book and series. Okay. Now, hate is a strong word. I My knowledge of Game of Thrones was I was uh, part of a group of people that watched the first season. I didn't watch all of the first season, but I watched enough of it and went, yeah, it's not bad, but it didn't suck me in. You hate it. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, like, hate is a very strong word to use. So, of course, not I am being slightly hyperbolic. Uh, I very much dislike it. I'm not into it at all. I find it disinteresting. I and I'm including both the series how, Song of Ice and Fire and the show. How many the Game of Thrones? How many books did you read? I got almost all the way through the first one, and I tried to start on. And now I can't remember which one it was. Somebody who's a fan of the series said, well, this book is the best book thus far. So here's the summary of what's gone on up to this point. Start over with this book. I got like three chapters into it. And I was like, no, I still hate every one of these characters. I want them all to die (laughs) sooner than they have already died. I don't care about them at all. So it's it's just the fact that the story does not interest you. You're annoyed by the characters. Therefore, you cannot pull yourself into this world. Uh, That and I don't personally aesthetically appreciate George R. R. Martin's writing style. I don't find it to be an intriguing or compelling way to write novels. Again, I go back to your hatred of equilibrium. Um, Is this one of these things where you just think it's a huge stinking pile of crap and you don't understand how anyone could like it? Or is this one of those things where you're just like, it's not for me? Because smart Uh, people that we both respect love Game of Thrones. Yeah, absolutely. And for reasons that appear perfectly valid, I just don't happen to agree with them. Right. Like, I don't have any objective statement as to why Game of Thrones is actually the worst thing to ever happen to literary history. Which it isn't. Because I don't. 
It's fine. It the ball is, is in the court of Fifty Shades of Grey for that one. Yeah, no shit. It's a perfectly fine entry into, you know, science fiction fantasy genre. Uh-huh. And it's gotten people, or the series especially, the TV series especially, has gotten people into oh, that yes. genre where they might not otherwise have gotten into it. So that's fine. It has its up points, I suppose. Just for me personally, I I just don't, I don't like it. And I kind of get why people do. Right. In a way, like, because different I mean, we do sometimes posts, judge but. things by the people around us. Sure. And I think it helps to quell some of the hatred when somebody you really respect is like, uh, no, I disagree. I think it's really good. So then you're like, well, I must be missing something. It's just not my thing. I don't know anyone that I respect that said Equilibrium was a good movie or anyone I respect that thinks the Night of the Living Dead anniversary thing was a good idea. It's one of those things that would actually lower my respect for someone if they tried to defend either of those things, especially the Night of the Living Dead thing. Right. Whereas there's some sort of cognitive understanding that liking... Okay, I'll put it to you this way. I heard somebody at work one time say that they liked the Star Wars prequels better than the original trilogy because there was more action. Okay. My opinion of that person got lowered so far down the rabbit hole of disdain that I almost couldn't look them in the eye after they said that. <laughs> but Game of Thrones is not one of those things where someone would come up to you and go, I really like Game of Thrones, and you'd go, ugh, no, we can't I, be I mean, anymore. What's weird about it to me is like there have been a lot of book series or just one-off sure. fantasy or science fiction novels that I've read that I just didn't personally like, but mm -hmm. whatever, or that I really loved and other people didn't like or didn't get. Right. Or, that, and that's fine. That's all just aesthetic opinion. Right. I really thought I was going to like the Game of Thrones series because right. I didn't have to read Martin's writing style, which I actually really disdain. Right. When did but, you start watching it, though? Do you think it's a case of raised expectation? No. Because I mean, a lot of people were sort a, of knew nothing about Game of Thrones when the show came on. Well, I did, though. So I guess it wasn't like an extra super hype because it's new. Like, I kind of knew what the, the first season, at least, mm -hmm. exactly what we were getting into. I've read that story. Right. Or most of it, anyway. And I love basically everyone in the series. Right. All the actors. Yeah, They're yeah, no, extremely totally. extremely talented people, and I like watching them act. And yes. I think that they've even been able to portray these characters whom I hate and want to die. Right. But I still have nothing. I either don't care at all about the characters or care about them that I wish they weren't there. Right. And well, but that if is I'm important. wishing that your character wasn't on screen, I'm not compelled to watch your story. That is important. You know, it's kind of the reason why you can never have a movie with just aliens in it, because somebody's got to be the conduit for someone to identify with the situation. Yeah. So, you know, you have Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. simply yes. because humans need a human to identify with. If you sure. can't connect with any of the characters then it's not going to draw you in and you're not going to find anything to like about it. Yeah, and I honestly find nothing redeeming about anyone in A Song of Ice and Fire. They are truly flawed people. <laughs> like, every last like, one of them. I'm down with flawed people. Yeah. Perfect characters are boring. Right. Flawed characters are fantastic. They're often, they're always the more interesting of characters. Yes. These aren't flawed. They're just horrible people. Right. All of them are, not a single one is redeemable. They're all <laughs> awful. I don't like or care about any of them. Right. I would just like them all to be dead. Well, most of them are. So. Yeah, which is good for me. So eventually people will stop talking about it and telling me why I have to watch it. Well, that'll happen sooner than later. I think they're working on what might be the last season of the TV show. And goddamn, nobody else is going to read 
<laughs> so, well, uh, if we're done with the Game of Thrones section, yep. let's just give a pause and wait for all the clicks of everyone who is disgusted by us to stop listening. Okay. I think that's enough time. Yep. Uh, now let's give another pause for people to write angry emails and blogs. Uh, they can pause it on their own. Oh, that's good. That's a good point. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with my first thing. Okay. Oh, and by the way, one of the reasons we didn't get into a deeper discussion of Game of Thrones is because I am not really into it either. Not because I hate it, just because, like I said, it didn't draw me in. I haven't read any of the books. I saw most of the first season. Um, I also know so many of the big plot points now because people can't shut the fuck up about them yeah. <laughs> that I'm just like, oh, you know, if I see the Red Wedding, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, that's where all those people died. Right. The South Park episode that kind of did the Game of Thrones thing was pretty brilliant. If you haven't seen <laughs> that, you need to. They reenacted the Red Wedding. Did you see the episode? I did. Very good. Very funny. I highly recommend it for people that love and hate Game of Thrones. My thing is something that has been in geek culture and celebrated in geek culture for a long time now. And I I don't hate any of the things I have on my list. Oh, and by the way, for saying this late, we each have five things. It's just something that, I, again, I started to watch it. Uh, most shows get better in their second and third seasons, so maybe I should have given it more of a chance. But I think mine was a case of high expectations, and that would be Battlestar Galactica. Yes. I, I didn't have a problem with it. I started watching the first season. Um, like, okay, I started wa- – I was late to the Firefly party as well i saw the movie serenity first and really enjoyed it Uh, okay started watching the show on netflix got pulled away from it and couldn't finish i know it's like six episodes but i'm a boring (laughs) person who likes to do more boring things uh eventually i will finish it because what i saw i really did honestly enjoy yeah Uh, it's very enjoyable i could watch nathan philly and do anything um so that i really did enjoy and i'm planning on finishing it battlestar galactica i started to watch and maybe it was the intimidation factor of how long the show ran, and I just went, ugh, I can't allow myself to get into all this. But it also just didn't make me go, this is brilliant, just like everybody said it was, I am now a super fan. Yeah, I'm actually with you. This was something that, while I was trying to prepare my list of things that take away my nerd cred, mm-hmm. uh, I was having conversations about things that I do or don't do that take away my nerd cred. Right. And one of the things on my list was the new Battlestar Galactica and V. Yeah. Oh, see, I never watched the were, new V. Yeah, they were two of my favorite shows when I was a kid. Oh, I loved the 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 V miniseries especially. Oh my god, it was amazing, and it was probably the first that I can remember, other than the huge ones like Star Wars or whatever. Yeah. I it enjoyed... was the first sci-fi thing that I really got into as yeah. a kid. Because I enjoyed the original Battlestar Galactica. I remember. Yeah. Um, the design for the Cylons was fucking awesome. For even, and I think that kind of stuff even holds up. Yes, it's guys in suits with Knight Rider on their face, but um, it is like uh, the their their leader, the guy in the big ass chair that you never really got a good look at. Mm-hmm. It was so well done. I think those scenes still hold up, but it was fun, fluffy science fiction. Yeah. V, however, and I haven't gone back to watch the original miniseries. I don't know if it still holds up. It, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't at all. Just hold on to it in your memory. <laughs> yeah. Hold on to it in your memory. It's far better. But, I but it was amazing. V when it came out. God, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, the, the little things you remember, the, the, the one woman biting off the bird's head. It had Robert England. It was so good. So that the Battlestar Galactica thing and V were on my list because I loved the originals and yes. really did not at all like the remakes oh, of yeah? either of them. And I was basically told, 
No, that doesn't really, it, it might kind of give you half credit, but you have an opinion about Battlestar Galactica and V. <laughs> yeah, well. Like you actually know them and have seen them and have a thought about them. But I think that the new Battlestar Galactica is such a different show. The it original Battlestar Galactica was simply fluffy entertainment. The new Battlestar Galactica, from what I understand, was a little bit more cerebral and a little bit more... Uh, uh, doing what you know the original Star Trek did, commenting on current political situations through science fiction, and that's why I actually thought it was going to be a lot better because that's what really good science fiction should do. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is that is something that science fiction should do. Not all science fiction has. No, to not be. all, not all. Uh, but I think we, as I wrote in the blog for FW Five, <laughs> I think we're getting away from science fiction that does do that, where we should have, I think, equal measures of both. So I was like, when people would tell me about Battlestar Galactica, the new one, I would go, that sounds really good. That sounds like exactly the kind of science fiction I want to see. And I just, you know, I only watched the first few episodes. And I, I don't remember hating it or disliking it. I just remember not being thrilled by it. It wasn't great. I don't think they pulled it off well. And then the farther in they got, the more not great it became. It just, it was not good. Yeah. Really. It was disappointing. Let's put it that way. So I'm with you What on do you that. dislike more? Battlestar Galactica? Or Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Okay, now the second wave of people is, is clicking off the show. Hang on. There they go. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess that's all I could say about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, it, the problem with the, with a subject like this is since we don't aren't into them hardcore, there's not a ton to say other yeah. than this is the geek thing that, you know, I hear people knocking at the door now going, your geek card is revoked. Yeah. Let me try and purchase something on Amazon with my geek card. Oh, yeah, it's been <laughs> blocked. I've been cut off. So what is your second geek thing that you just don't get? And keep in mind, I knew about Carissa's Game of Thrones choice. I have no idea what the other things on her list are, nor does she mine. Some of these might cross. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have several of them. I actually have a list of like eight, just in case. But yeah. several of them are like TV movie sort yeah. of yeah, yeah, bundled yeah. up together. But I'll skip to I, I'll just do a little one. Since I went big to begin with, I'll do a sure. little one. I can't solve a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I can't. See, I went strictly entertainment. That's the funniest thing. Uh, maybe I should change it up a little bit and add a couple of things. Um, I've never solved one either. Like, there are guides on the internet as to how to do it. There was a kid on, uh, I think, Japan's Got Talent, you know, because... Oh, yeah. Did you see him? Yes. He solved a Rubik's Cube listening audience with his hands and his feet. He solved, like, I don't know, five, six Rubik's Cubes in the course of, what, a minute? Well, and there was the guy on Penn and Teller, I think. Uh, yes. Penn and Teller's Fool Us or Fool yes, Me or whatever the name of that show is. Um, that did it like in four moves behind his back with his with a blindfold on that, and Teller was holding it or something. Like it was freaking amazing. And I, there are step by step guides on how to do Rubik's Cubes on the internet. I could have right. a Rubik's Cube in hand and the internet in front but of that me does and fail to do it. Somewhat defeat the purpose. See, I don't like that. You know, I I hate like when I'm playing a game, excuse me, when I'm playing a video game and I'm really at a part that frustrates the shit out of me. I never was the guy that went to the Nintendo rule book until I was literally at the point where I was going to hurt someone. Right. Um, so nowadays, even with the advent of the Internet and how easy it is to find an answer to any question you have. Yep. I've always been the guy that thinks I got to figure this out myself and I try every way to figure it out myself before I go that route. Yeah. The fact that you can just look online to solve a Rubik's Cube, I'm not a fan of that. 
it should be your own merit that does it. I mean, I agree with you, but I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I certainly can't do it by myself, but I'm so bad with Rubik's Cubes, I can't do it with a guide. Like, that's how much I am not able to do it. That's me and all of math. Yeah, that's on my list as well. Every piece of math. <laughs> oh, is that on your list? Yep. We will get to that later then. Okay. But yeah, uh, I remember Rubik's Cubes being fun. Yeah, just totally never completed one. Yeah, and it's one of those things that it was such a big deal when it first came out. Yeah. It was a huge deal. And there are certain things that I wonder, like I look at certain things and go, why was this ever even sold in stores? I don't know anyone that owns one. Slinkies come to mind. They're still being sold, and I don't know a single person that owns a Slinky or gives to. a shit about them. Oh, I used to, too, when you didn't realize it was just a useless coil. <laughs> but Rubik's Cubes, I see a point for owning one because it's just something to do to exercise your brain when you're not doing anything else. And I still am just like, uh, it just frustrates me too much. I'm not great with puzzles. Never have been. Like jigsaw puzzles or any kind of puzzle? I'm not particularly good with puzzles in general, which is why it always stymied me that I loved Tomb Raider so much because that basically ended up all it was. But I could figure those out. I got to the point because video game puzzles have, for the most part, a pattern that you can establish and figure out. Rubik's Cube feels so random. Yeah, even though it's a supposedly not. Right. Like I say supposedly because I can't figure the shit yeah. out either. I mean, it looks random to anyone that doesn't understand it. And that's me. I don't get yeah. it. Oh, me too. It's like <laughs> showing us a Rubik's Cube would be like showing a cell phone to a chimp. They're smart enough to get certain things, but their mind... And they could probably just... take a really nice selfie. Yeah. But, but they don't know why. Just can't comprehend yeah. the mechanism that goes into it. And yeah, I've never come close to solving one without at least removing some stickers first. Yep. Okay, Rubik's Cube. Very nice. Okay. Now, mine, I don't think anyone's signing off for that one, so I Probably think not. good. Uh, we might get a few sign-offs for this one. Okay. Because it is still much beloved, and I still am not 100% sure why. This may be the closest on my list to something I just simply don't like that I, don't, that I also don't get. Okay. Um, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but this allows us to go into more detail about it. And this involves media, it involves uh, gaming, it involves everything, and that would be Pokemon. Okay. I've never understood it. I remember my first instance of watching Pokemon. I only watched it because I heard it was giving people seizures. Someone <laughs> handed me a videotape and said, you got to watch this, dude. People are having seizures. I was like, whoa, this is fucked up. Let's put this in and see how fucked it. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Oh, and yep. I am a fan of anime. Sure. You know, one of the one of the best movies I've ever owned was Ninja Scroll. Oh, God, uh, so good. Akira's great. The uh, Not Wolf's Howling Castle, but the uh, Spirited Away. Yes. Gorgeous, gorgeous movie. Um, anime's great. Kid-friendly anime's fine. I get Sailor Moon to an extent. I When I was a kid, uh, I remember very specifically in the realm of the world of G.I. Joe. This was when Fox was just starting out as a network. And it would be reruns of TV shows up until a certain time at night. And then they would take over and show Tracy Ullman and Married with Children and a show about werewolves. A one-hour Hulk-like drama about werewolves. Okay. And I remember loving all those shows. And then all of a sudden one day... After watching years of G.I. Joe with men standing on top of a hill being surrounded by lasers coming out of machine guns for no good reason, 
no one died. No one even got hurt, really. Right. I remember seeing a show called Robotech where within the first five minutes, people are dying all <laughs> over the place. Planes turning into robots. Nobody, you know, in, in G.I. Joe, when a plane exploded, the guys always had enough time to parachute out. Yep. In Robotech, it was like, fuck you, you're dead. Because that's war. I loved it. So this is not a knock against anime. It is a knock against Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is just, for me, cute overload. Okay. I also, the concept is kind of boring to me. Okay. And I've kind of made fun of it on the show before. You know, we're going to kidnap animals and make them fight, and this is supposed to be cute and loving and... The characters, to me, were bland. And then, all of a sudden, it just took off. And it wasn't just this show that people watched. It was toys. It was video games. Yeah. It was movies. It was it a franchise. Was card games. Yep. And I played Magic the Gathering, really loved it. You could not pay me to sit down with someone and, you know, go, Ooh, my surf's a sword uh, shoots your surf's sword with fire. <laughs> Pikachu! You know, I just, I just didn't get it, and well, I I'm still gonna, don't. I'm gonna because I'm not like a, I'm not a huge Pokemon fan either, the show or right. any of its subsequent stuff, except Pokemon Snap, which is only related because it's got Pokemon in it. And as we stated before, I didn't get it. I yeah. watched you play it for hours, and just but honestly, it could have been not Pokemon Snap. It, it could have been Final Fantasy, sure, Snap absolutely, or whatever. And I still would have played it. Would have been great. Serious otakus, don't get mad at me. This is a very high-level kind of layman's explanation. <laughs> so Japanese... But hey, at least one of us is defending something at this point. <laughs> sure. Animation in Japan is often separated into targeted demographic age absolutely. groups, kind of like ours is, except theirs is way more structured in oh, that way. Oh, absolutely. So you have like the shonen anime, which is for, you know, six to ten-year-old right. kids, and then ship it in anime, which is like... 10 to 15 year old kids or whatever the actual number breakdown is. So it's like little kids and young adolescents and preteens and early teenagers and then adults. Yes. Pokemon is meant for young children. Absolutely. It's it's a little kids show and it's never intended to be anything other than a little kids show. It doesn't market itself in any other way. It doesn't try to appeal to any other demographic as a show. And it just happens to be that the setting of that world just fits into an expansive franchise for fighting games because it's a fighting show. Right. And it has cute little characters, so it fits into a Pokemon Snap sort of way because you can walk around and look at all the cute little characters. Right. So it just kind of is a perfect storm of stuff that comes together. I absolutely get all that. It is only on my list. If If it were something that were so targeted towards kids that only kids loved it, I wouldn't be on my list. But right, but there are like grown. 25-year-old oh dudes on their Nintendos playing Pokemon Green or whatever. Yeah. And being super oh, serious about those it. Those fucking DS games were massive. Mm-hmm. And I are. tried to play one and just, and I like combat games, but I just remember looking at it going, okay, your little thing hit his little thing and it's on its back wiggling its arms. Okay. You know, there was just nothing that appealed to me. And I don't like just – I look at myself as a kid at heart, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I still can sit down and enjoy uh, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie just like anyone else can. But it's something about Pokemon never connected with me. And at first I was just like, okay, it's not my thing. And then it became everybody else's thing. 
And I just went, I am out of this club. <laughs> like, I will never be at a Comic-Con and have somebody go, the Pokemon panel is starting, and go, woohoo, and right. run with all fierce passion to talk about which Charizard is better for your flubadoob. I just don't get it. And I can look at Pikachu and go, it's cute. It's a little yellow circle with eyes, but it's cute. I get it. Sure. Um, you know, Hello Kitty's basically a circle with eyes, but I it will never appeal to me. And again, nothing against people that like Pokemon. I know plenty of them. It will never appeal to me. Sure. I've tried. So now we've lost a third wave. Sure. So the 10 of you that are still listening, Carissa, what is your third thing? Uh, your Pokemon kind of segues into my next one. Hopefully uh, it's something that I can defend because I'm starting to feel bad. <laughs> I think you actually probably can. Okay. It's, it's a two-parter. Okay. So I'll start with the segue part and then broaden it out. Okay. I like a lot of anime. Yes. Most of the ones that I like are kind of the ones that anybody who watches anime in the United States knows about. Right. So I'm a huge fan of Naruto, both sure. Shonen Jump and Shippuden. I loved Bleach. I'm really mad that they aren't going to do the end of the Bleach manga in an anime. I got into Hunter x Hunter, which was surprisingly awesome. Mm -hmm. Attack on Titan. We need a season two. They need to stop trying to make a live action movie and make my fucking anime first. So anyway, I, think I know I like, where you're going to go with this, and I might I like not be some able anime. to it. This is the first part. Okay. I I I can't read the manga. Oh. I I've tried, and it's not the back to forward. I can read backwards. Right. That the order is not what I have the problem with. I can't parse the information in still shot form. Okay. Especially in black and white. Okay. The visuals of it. Even though often they are very well drawn, like the art style is very appealing to me. I right. love the art style. But if I'm looking at a static page of several panels of that art style, uh -huh. it will just blur into nothingness. I won't be okay. able to understand what's going on. I can't parse it at all. So I can't read the manga. All of my anime fandomness is anime. Right. And this is kind of like the read the book instead of watch the movie sort of yeah. thing. If you like the anime, you should really like the manga. And I should but I literally can't read it. Huh. Well, it kind of makes sense in a way. I can't defend this entirely because I don't read it either, but it's not that I can't. I just haven't because I like anime. I'm not hardcore anime. I sure. love the movies that I've seen. I can't think of many anime movies that have disappointed me, at least in style, even if the story has nothing to it at all. Um, for the most part, the style does work for me. But I can understand your point to an extent in that some anime is so style-driven. Yeah. And they throw so much at you. Yeah. That it can get overwhelming. So I can kind of see where you're coming from. But again, I haven't attempted to read it, so I don't really know. So here's the second part that I think okay. you probably will be able to defend. Not necessarily defend. This isn't a me not liking something. But I read about comics mm -hmm. vastly more than I read comics themselves. Oh, See, there is I, where we do part ways. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything at all against comic books. Sure. I think it's a fine medium. I love the comic book worlds. Like, I read about comics a lot, especially over the last few years with the MCU. Yes. And that's been a huge deal. So if I didn't know about any particular character, I'd go look it up. Right. I wouldn't go find their comic books and read them. I would right. look it up and read the Wikipedia entry and the you know commentaries that have been left. Yeah. In various places on the internet, and I would talk to my friends who know about them, but I don't actually read comics. Well, um, I am not currently 
collecting, and that is mainly because it is a financial commitment yeah, that I just definitely. can't make right now. However, I can I don't I, like I don't have to defend it because you're not really putting it down. I can just say when I collected what I got out of it. Yeah, there is something very tangible about have it is like you know I tried to collect baseball cards in middle school when I tried to be cool. Sure, I didn't really give two shits about them. I just <laughs> I, I honestly didn't. It's just. This was the period before I realized I was a, a, a dork and that no one really liked me where I was just like, I'm going to try. And then after about a year, I went, I don't want to try anymore. This is fucking boring. Right. But there still was something nice about having those cards and reading those stats. And I'm a very I'm all about tangibility and the beauty of a comic. If it's a well done comic. And that's the thing. There's a lot of bullcrap out there. But. When I collected hardcore, it was the 90s, in the 90s. And there was, you know, the three top-tier things for me were Spider-Man, X-Men, and the Silver Surfer. Okay. Um, None of them were perfect. They all definitely fell down the rabbit hole of what any popular medium falls down is just simply trying to please its fans. I can remember one valid criticism of the X-Men comics in the 90s in a letter that someone wrote to the editor that they actually published where they were like, A, I'm tired of seeing Wolverine's face on the cover and every other X-Men a blip behind his head. Right. And why do all the characters in the X-Men only talk through gritted teeth? If you look (laughs) at the X-Men comics in the 90s, it literally is like... Cyclops, get over there and make me a tea. Arr, yes, I will do that, Professor X. Jean Grey, what are you doing here? I'm reading your mind. You don't want to make him a tea. Arr. It's like they, they, they do that all the time. Yeah. And that was an artistic choice to show, usually in battle. But it's still, you know, one of the most beautiful things about Avengers Age of Ultron was they showed you what a splash page would look like live. Yeah. Which they hadn't done enough of in the first movie. And those are the kind of things that you read a comic for. Those are the kind of things. I mean, the artwork in a lot of those comics is beautiful. Yeah. And there were so many things that at the time you could look at in a comic that you never thought you'd be able to see believably on screen. Especially in the 90s when, you know, the best superhero movies we were getting was Spawn. You know, which they tried. God love them. Yeah, they but did. it doesn't hold up, whereas I think the Avengers movies will. Yeah. Um, but it really sucked you in. There was a, And there was also a treat in opening yourself up to a new world because once you got a little burnt out on the comics you were collecting, you would go pick up something new. And there was a, a, a character that no one else I know read uh, called Death's Head that Marvel came out with. And I just remember loving the design of the character. Okay. And uh, there were I was such a Marvel dude. I was uh, I was sucking Stan Lee's cock. I was just like, whatever you want me to do, Mr. <laughs> Lee, I will do it. And there's a reason the comics, you know, they did have for the most part beautiful artwork, intricate stories. Definitely. And that was a thing that the movies can never capture, even though the Marvel CU has done has gotten closer to it than anything else ever will probably. Sure. Is the backlogged history. You could really explore the world of a character. You could you could delve into years of past mythology and then you could get connected with a current series, you know, because the 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 comics were always really episodic in that 10 issues would all revolve around one story and then that story would end. So you would be totally invested in something. Uh the big one when I was collecting for a little while was the Executioner song where they involved every 
X title, which at the time was a ridiculous amount. There was X-Men, X-Factor, the uncanny X-Men, Excalibur, <laughs> X-Ray Machine. I mean, anything that could be used to have an X in it, they were putting an X in it. But the core stories were really awesome. Um, I was there when Image began. And, you know, uh, people will say a lot of shit about Todd McFarlane, but I think that's just because he became the most popular one. His artwork is gorgeous. I agree. The Spawn comic at the beginning was gorgeous. Even if his stories weren't great, he also was willing to take things to a darker place. Uh, Wildcats was an awesome comic, and it was just this... I'm not only watching these characters, I'm feeling them. I've got them in my hands. I'm looking at the panels. I'm connecting the story. I'm imagining what they would sound like in this one shot where, you know, Psylocke is kicking the shit out of out of some robot. I'm imagining what that would look like in real life. And it was a real connection. It's almost like it's taken me a while to get used to streaming music because I loved the tangibility of opening up a CD and pulling out the the label and unfolding it and reading the lyrics and smelling okay. the smell of the paper, you know, that, and I still have my trunk of f- over 300 comics from when I collected and it's, you know, some of it like the infinity gauntlet. I mean, come on. That's why I was so like, I, I splooged in my pants when I saw fucking Thanos <laughs> at the end of the first Avengers, because I was like, we're going to get to see this. And it's only because I have that history with the comics that I'm so excited about them getting to the gauntlet. Yeah, like I know about the Infinity Gauntlet because I read about it, about it. And I hadn't realized, to be totally honest, that it was such a celebrated story, enough for them to make movies out of. But it was a great story. And well, it like, mostly revolved me... in the world of the Silver Surfer, which is going to be the weirdest thing to see him not involved at all Yeah. in the movie version. But I don't care because it's it's just... And you can go back and look at it. You can look at the artwork. You can remember how you felt the first time you saw it. And you don't have to have a DVD player to do that. You don't have to have an internet connection. It's it's just that. I can carry this with me, and I've got it forever, or at least until the paper disintegrates. Yeah, and I just don't. I get my nerd cred taken away because all of my knowledge of comic book Not all. Yeah. I have read a comic book or two. But most of my knowledge comes from either stuff like the MCU yeah, or like the X-Men cartoon, yeah, which I loved. It wasn't bad. Um, I look back on it now and wish the animation was a little better. But for the t- I mean, at the time, it wasn't at all unwatchable. No, but I do remember as a comic fan reading uh, the uh, – oh, I'm losing some nerd cred now because I can't remember the name of the biggest comic book magazine. But um, they were there at the beginning with the X-Men cartoon series that everyone was excited about. And uh, detailing the problems of the company was having with the animation company who was looked at as an inferior company. Why did they ever sign on with these people? Blah, 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 blah. Hmm. But I do remember being there at the beginning of the Batman animated series. Which I never oh, got into. I loved it. Loved, loved, loved I've it. I've seen several episodes and it was great, but I never really got into watching it start to finish. Oh, I got hooked from the get-go. So maybe that should be on your list, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might go on with my I read about comics rather than... Right. Yeah, correctly. that's true. That's true. But, you know, it, it gave us Harley Quinn. That's all you need to know. Okay. And a much darkened version of Mr. Freeze. Okay. 
Well, anything's better than Stay completely. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, but I, the sad thing was, I think the cartoon Mr. Freeze came out before Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, because I remember hearing rumors they were going to cast Patrick Stewart, and I went, that's perfect. Because you could just picture him in that suit with that voice, that uncaring, you know, dead voice just going. Yeah, but that's because it's Patrick Stewart, and you could picture him doing basically anything. Yeah, but he even looked like the cartoon at the time. Well, that's yeah. what I remember, because I wasn't a big Batman comic fan. I was a Batman animated series fan sure, and movie fan. So I remember really liking Mr. Freeze, the character, and then we saw what they did with him, yes, which, by the way, on another podcast we could talk about, but I actually went back and watched Batman and Robin just a few days ago just to see. Why? I couldn't help it. I was curious. All right. We'll talk about it some other time. Okay. All right, All right, that's my thing about comics. Moving on. I don't think we've lost anyone necessarily from that segment because you didn't shit on them. You just said you never got into them. Yeah, I just lost some nerd cred. A little bit, yeah. 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 Next on mine, I'm really debating this one because I really did stick to TV and movies. Because um, one of these is going to shock you and you're going to hate me forever. Uh, I'm going to go it. ahead and say uh, the one that won't shock you and make you hate. But it's it's one of those things where how many times have you had someone someone come up to you and go, do you watch such and such? And you go, no. And they go, oh, it's perfect for you. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> for me, it's Fringe. Um, okay. Every, Weird, interesting. I have a very good friend of mine who loved Fringe and was addicted to Fringe and then told me, you don't watch Fringe? And I went, no. Nah. And again, I don't hate Fringe. I just never sat down to watch it. I've seen a little bit of it and went, yeah, it's quality stuff. Didn't make me love it. I don't, yeah, at least for me, like, I watched Fringe. I watched, I think, all of Fringe. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it trailed off, not quickly, but before it ended. Sure. Um, and it had its problems. I would never have been like, oh, Evan, you have to watch Fringe. Because right. it just doesn't strike me as, like, your kind of show. It was I good. Mean, I, do, I mean, I am a big Star Trek fan. I am a big, well, at least the original series in the next generation. I do like science fiction that plays with dimensions, that plays with reality. Um, some of my favorite episodes of the next generation are the ones where they deal with dimensions coming together and all that kind of stuff. And that's, from what I understand, pretty much all Fringe was. In the very overarching from start to finish part. Yes, yeah. that's what I mean. Yes, not specifics, but, you know, pretty much that's what the show was about. And I should have been completely sucked in from the very beginning, but I just wasn't. And I'm sure sometime I'll go back and watch them. But, you know, I just kind of right now have an opinion of, eh, maybe I will. Whereas other things, you know, I got hooked in right away. When I finally sat down to watch Daredevil, it didn't take much to yeah. get me hooked. You know, it's it's just one of those things where maybe the show was too episodic for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just more into things that are telling a larger story. And I know that Fringe did tell a larger story, but it had to be episodic by its very nature. Yes, that's absolutely correct. So maybe that was it. I don't know. Maybe I want things that have a beginning, a middle, and a, and a clear end. I don't I know. Think, I think the only thing that I would say that you might want to watch Fringe for specifically mm -hmm. is John Noble. Kind of forget the rest of the show and just right. watch it for him. Because seriously, it is some of the best work I've ever seen an actor do. Really? Yeah. Is he I mean, the older like, guy? Yes. Oh yeah, I, I've uh, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. And from what I saw, he was great. <laughs> well, he was more than great. Like it took about five episodes when they got started for the three main characters to really get into it. Yeah. Like as they were finding out who their characters were right, or whatever, right. and for the story to settle in around them. Uh, 
minute one, John Noble was It's astounding. that experience, man. That he's, fucking experience where he's just he like, I know so how to key into a character from the beginning. And when the writing matches that, too. Yep. I mean, I think you play the character as written, and when you instantly connect with it, you just get it from the get-go. But and I even look at something like, perspective. it took about five minutes for me to get sucked into Heroes when it first started. And... I just, Hold on, I have to I have to shake my fist at this guy. Fuck you, writer strike. <laughs> I know, right? It's oh, totally they fucked that show up show. so bad. Yep. <laughs> anyway, well, it's coming back. Could be great. I hope it is. Me too. Because, because the first, it, first season, season and a half was of incredible. that show was fucking amazing. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. But we're getting off track. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about heroes some other time. <laughs> yeah, Fringe just never did that for me, and I guess that's <laughs> what I need. I might not have the patience for TV shows that take a while to get going. Did you? Were you an X Files guy? Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying on. Uh, okay. So all you fringies, uh, you have now signed off. Thanks for listening. Yep. Number four for you, Carissa. I have never read Lord of the Rings. Oh. I haven't either. I am a bad, bad, bad but nerd. What did you think of the movies? The first three? Yeah, yeah. Like the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Yeah, the actual Lord of the Rings. They, they were they were fucking incredible. Yeah. They were, so, I mean, they were so good. Okay. And I and I live with people who've read Lord of the Rings. Sure. And so, of course, they know what was left out, what was, what little was changed of what was left in. Uh, the stuff they got right, the stuff they got wrong. Yeah, supposedly the movies stick very close. Pretty close. As far I mean, as movies go to the source. Yeah, they're, they miss Tom Bombadil. Right. Because it's kind of not really part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's its own little story, mm-hmm. apparently. I haven't read it, so this is what's going hurts on. Also, the character's last name sounds like an enemy from Super Mario Brothers. Sure. And so I know from a high-level perspective what is and isn't correct right. about the trilogy. But as a movie series, they blew me away. They were right. absolutely Well, now do your amazing. friends, that the people you know that read the books, do they like the movies? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And here's... <sighs> I saw the first Lord of the Rings in the theater. Very much enjoyed it. I have seen pieces of the other two. <laughs> so this is where we are going to start parting ways as friends. No, I just, I feel bad for you. I, again, something about it. Just, I liked it. I liked the craft and the talent involved. I never felt myself getting passionately like, oh, can't wait for the second. Oh, the two towers is coming out. I just went, oh, the two towers is coming out. I'll watch it at some point. Uh, I will tell you, like, you know me, I get invested in movies that I watch and books. So do I. I. So I have seen all three of the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, a dozen times each, probably more. Did you see them originally in the theaters? Yes. I cannot ever. I have never once watched Return of the King, which is the third movie, without uh-huh. bawling for the last 30 minutes. Even during the 10 minutes of, I think it's over. Oh, no, it's not over. Oh, they're laughing. It must be. Oh, it's not over. Yeah. The last 30 minutes slays me. Wow. I bawl. I can't not cry my eyes out. It is incredibly impactful to me. I've seen it a dozen times or more. It's still that well done. It you know, this could be a that... good subject for another episode is the geek movies that have made you cry. I mean, both uh, of us. Okay. Seriously, I think it could be okay. a good subject. I, I don't know what it is that didn't pull me in about those movies. Um, I feel bad because from a craft perspective, they're Oh, no, I can absolutely incredible. appreciate everything about them as far as that's concerned. From what I remember seeing, uh, this is amazing. The, tech, the technical skill is amazing. The acting is great. 
but there's a, just a disconnect for me with those that didn't stop me from enjoying what I saw. It just stopped me from being fully invested in in the in the the characters. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know why, and I'm sure I'll sit down one day and watch all three of them and feel differently. How do you feel about the Hobbit? Have you seen the Hobbit movies so far? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess your complaint is everyone else's complaint. Why make it three movies? Why make it three two and a half hour movies? That too. You just didn't care for them? I. And now I think we can both agree that. Fuck. What's his name? Who? The lead. Martin Freeman? Yes. I think we can both agree we love him, right? Oh, God, yes. The acting is incredible. Right. There were more liberties taken. Ah, I see. Well, they had to because they stretched one book into three yeah. and a half hour movies. But even the stuff that they didn't do to stretch one book in one very short book into three. Yeah, Legolas is in the movies, isn't he? And he yes. wasn't in the book, was he? No, not at all. Yeah, that's a strange thing to do. Of all the characters to bring back. It's the sex appeal. Is it? Do people yeah. even find him sexy anymore? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, okay. They kicked him out of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, fuck you. Get out. I don't know. It's, um... And, like, the, to me, the funny thing about the way that what they did with his character in those movies is, like, it's like when Chef died in South Park. They made it so that, you know, they killed the fuck out of him. Yeah. That's kind of what they did to Orlando Bloom in the Pirates movies, where they're just like, we're not only going to take you out of the movie, we're going to make sure you're gone and have no possibility of coming back for a very long time. Right. Yeah. So so what? what is the difference? I mean, The Hobbit just doesn't, other than the liberties they took. That's is, mostly it. Is it just simply that the story isn't as compelling or epic? Yeah, it is less well done yeah. than it could be, and certainly less well done than its predecessor. It's Well, it probably is so simply a paint-by-numbers. Like, well, the Lord of the Rings was successful, so we got to put The Hobbit on the screen. And Peter Jackson himself probably wasn't nearly as passionate about The Hobbit. I mean, I don't know. The weird thing about it is I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the first one. Yeah. Quite a bit, actually. I, I recognized liberties were taken, but I of enjoyed course. it. It was very entertaining. And it just kind of lost something. Yeah. Which is sad. But what it didn't lose was Martin Freeman being amazing. Oh, he's great. And it didn't lose um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Do you watch uh, Sherlock? Uh, yeah, yes. I still yes. haven't seen the third season, but oh, it was so good. I loved it. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. But getting back to the original point of this part of the discussion is that you have not read the books. Now, I think there are a lot of geeks that haven't. Those are very involved books. They're so dense. If you are not, it's like I remember trying to read The Crystal Cave in high school and going, I can't get into this. It's like a roadblock. And it makes me feel kind of dumb i don't want to be that guy that's just like i just need something to blow up yeah god damn it but the beauty of those books for the people that love them is that he does take so many pains in crafting a, a real world like i get the impression that he sat down and said okay this is the layout of the entire world this is where frodo lives here these are the sort of flowers that grow around his house now over here because the climate is more blah blah blah, blah he really crafted such an intricate world that if you're the kind of person who I think is maybe detail-oriented, it may appeal to you more instead of maybe straight story-oriented. And I'm not saying the books don't have both, but you really have to appreciate both. I think a lot of it for me, because I've tried, it's not like I'm all, I'm just not going to bother. I've right. tried. I just can't. I can't get through it. It's a lot like reading manga. Like I just... Yeah. 
my eyes just start to blur and everything. And I'm a reader. Like I, I read books and I read them fast and a lot and I devour the information within. I, it's just a slog. Getting through the first five pages yeah. takes me 20 <laughs> minutes and that's just unheard of for me. Yeah. And I just can't do it. After a while, my ADD kicks in and I'm just like, I gotta go fucking do something I, else. Jesus. I, honestly, I think that's my problem too. My closest comparison with this, because I've never tried to read the Lord of the Rings books, uh, but I remember as a Stephen King fan at one point hearing, you got to read the talisman. You got to read the talisman. Read the talisman. Read the fucking talisman. So I tried three separate times to read the talisman and got into like the second or third chapter. And I remember always stopping and going, wait, where is he? How did he get here? What's happening? Because I would start to read it and my mind would instantly drift away. And then you have to read the same page over. Yes. Yes. Yep. And, you know, where I read, you know, one of my all time favorite books is the autobiography of Malcolm X. And I never had that issue. So something about that sort of writing just could not pull me in. And that's probably the problem with both of us then is that if it's not immediately like something happens and not to say that we're, you know, dumb because of it, not to say that we're only going to sit down and watch Steven Seagal movies, but. You know, I think certain people can get absorbed into things that involve some patience and certain people just simply can't, especially in book form. What's really weird is that I can like one of my favorite authors is Neil Stevenson. He writes science fiction, modern science fiction. And my favorite book that isn't a Heinlein book is his novel is Stevenson's novel Cryptonomicon. Mm-hmm. Cryptonomicon is a thousand pages if it's ten. And well, fuck, I read The Stand, man. Loved every minute of it. The, and it is also dense. <laughs> and it's confusing, and it's back and forth through time, yes. and it's following three different main characters. It's a thick, dense, dude. I became heavy a book. Faulkner fan because of The Sound and the Fury. That is a fucking confusing fucking book. So it's not that the the wordiness or the I know, but I think it's a style thing. of it. But I I just for whatever reason I can't. Fucking do Lord of the Rings. I honestly think it's a style thing. And I would probably have the same problem reading Lord of the Rings that you did. Because there is a point where for certain people you can get too dense. Yeah. Well I'm one of those people. Yeah. Well don't be ashamed. It's just the way your it's just the way your chemical makeup is. Sure. I was born this way. I was born not being able to read Lord of the Rings. This isn't a choice, people. Um, All right, what's yours? Uh yeah. I don't think we lost too many people on that one. We might lose a few on this one. And that would be Doctor Who. Uh, Again, I don't hate anything on my list. I just haven't seen enough of it to get pulled in. Did you... Okay, let me ask before you continue. Uh Uh-huh. Are you talking about new Doctor Who that started in 2005? I'm talking about all of it. Or are you talking about old school Doctor Who? All of it. So you've tried to watch old school Doctor Who? I have a very vivid memory of being terrified by an episode of Doctor Who and that is the only connection I have of the show. And it okay. was the 70s version. All I remember is a green slime ball killing people. And it scared the shit out of me as a kid. Okay. And it was during the era with the guy with the curly afro that everyone associated with Doctor Who before the new series. Yes. I love David Tennant. I watched his Hamlet and thought it, he was brilliant. He is um, brilliant. I just haven't. I watched Sliders for Christ's sake and enjoyed it. Do you remember that show? Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you say that is in? Yeah, I remember that piece of shit. Or did you say that is in? It was an awesome fucking show. Uh, something in the middle of those two. Uh, it doesn't hold up. No. It came on Netflix, and I went <gasps> sliders. Yeah, and no. And after about thirty minutes, went <gasps> oh no. <laughs> but yeah, I just 
I haven't seen enough to get sucked in, and that is the problem. Maybe we're both ADD, and just patience is not a virtue with us, <laughs> because I know so many people that I trust and respect. My friend Todd, again, who has been educating me lately on some of the graphic novels that I missed, that he's mm-hmm. a huge geek. Uh, you know, he, as a person who didn't collect Batman, he let me borrow the graphic novel version of Dark Victory, which I would recommend to any Batman fan. It's so good. All these things I'm catching up on, I have decided to skip Doctor Who. And he and his wife both, who is not a geek, Love it. And that's something, too. If it transcends geekdom, it's usually pretty good. If both geeks and normies love it, it's actually probably usually pretty good. It just hasn't sucked me in. And I'm honestly one of the few people I know who don't actually freak out when someone doesn't like Doctor Who. Yeah. Because like, I don't, I don't uh, honestly freak out when people don't like a thing that I like. You know what? To be totally all... honest, if you go to like a Comic-Con or something and you just see somebody in a costume that you're not familiar with... For the most part, there are definitely the elitists, but for the most part, people are like, that's cool. I'll tell you about it because I love it. That's what geekdom is about, shared passions. But you don't have to be as passionate as Joe Bob over here. And that's what it should be. If someone if someone comes up to me and says that they're not into something that I love, and then I say, have you tried it? And they say no, like, we'll give it a shot. If they have tried it and just can't get sucked in, I have no room to judge because they gave it yeah. a shot. I have like, given Dr. Hey, a shot. Hey, I'm not really into metal. Right. Have you ever heard any? Well, yeah, I've got, you know, these dozen really good, you know, acclaimed albums by these really awesome metal bands. And I just, eh, you know, whatever. Then I can't judge because at least you've tried. And that's the thing. It's not like I haven't seen any Doctor Who. I just haven't gotten sucked in. That's it's it only feels sad to me that you're missing out on something that is such a huge part of geek culture that there's so much reference to it. Oh, there's a ton. Yeah. Not that. You are personally missing out, but that there's a part of this culture that you're in that you just kind of won't ever really get. But the beautiful thing about geek culture is it's so expansive. There's always going to be something that someone is missing. Yes. So, yeah, Doctor Who. I don't hate it. I don't have anything against it. I love the actors that they've chosen to play him. I like the concept. I just, I look at it and go, yeah, guy in a phone booth. Cool. Time traveler. (laughs) Great. Buck Rogers was a time traveler, and I watched that show. (laughs) Dude, Buck Rogers was badass. Aaron Gray, oh, right. Please. I actually know a guy that is producing, uh, directed an episode of this new online Star Trek series that is so authentic to the original series, and they had Aaron Gray and Lou Ferrigno in the same episode that he directed. And I went, you not only got to direct an episode that looked so much like the original Star Trek, it's not even funny, and Aaron Gray was on it? That just makes me come in so many different ways <laughs> and maybe one day i'll get to be an extra on that show that'd be cool just just a side note aaron gray all-time crush it's a good choice if you had to have an all-time crush oh my god she was wonderful all right your final entry make it a good one i have a mild form of dyscalculia you know we may have so much in common so much more in common than we even thought at this point because we both apparently have ADD and I think I know what you mean and I must have it too because there is a mental block in my mind about mathematics. Is that what you mean? It I mean yeah, it's like dyslexia but for math. Yeah. Yes. I didn't even know there was a term for it. Yeah. I cannot not... figure out. I am a reasonably intelligent person. I'm not super intelligent. I think I'm slightly above average. I had to have a tutor for geometry in high school or I was going to fail. Geometry was the only math class I passed. Really? Yep. 
please go into detail about this. And by only math class I passed, I mean, like, seriously, Barely. I have, yeah. I had to take algebra one three times before I could get out of high school. And this I is had not to a... take it again in college four times and ended up just dropping it. Oh, the sa- exact same thing for me. But this is about you right now. Mm-hmm. Is this a made up term or is this a real thing? No, it's a real thing. It's like dyslexia, but for math. But so were you diagnosed or is this like you just know intrinsically math is not something your mind can possibly understand? I'm going to say yes and no to all of that. Because math is truly such a big part of the geek nerd culture. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like dyscalculia doesn't have like a diagnosis the way that dyslexia does. Right. It doesn't have the same kind of tests. So someone will test you in one way and you will pass or fail. And someone else will test you on something completely different and you will fail or pass. Like I can do things like consumer math. I can figure a tip faster than anybody I know. Mm -hmm. Part of that is not the math of it. Right. But I was a waitress for several years. Yes. So that became more. Well, just like dyslexics, if they read enough, their minds can readjust. But there is still a level that is too complicated for them to wrap their minds around. It is really hard for me to explain what happens to me when I am looking at something that is math. In fact, it becomes not even just math, but just the presence of numbers. Yes. So like I'm going to use Sudoku as my example. Oh, I hate Sudoku. I so did not understand Sudoku at all. Oh, I don't get it at all. I tried to get it and I would start to cry because I I couldn't. The numbers would start to move in my sight and it's indescribable and very frustrating. And I had just decided I'm never going to understand or be able to do Sudoku. Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. And Z and K were both trying to explain to me why it's not math why I would be able to do it. I didn't believe them. And then they put up a big, basically, Sudoku board, just an empty 9 by 9 grid on the wall. Uh Uh-huh. And just, like, projected it onto the wall. Uh Uh-huh. And instead of using 1 through 9, they used A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, and said, make these letters A through I in these patterns so that they don't duplicate. Okay. I did that in three minutes. Right. So the logic of it is not beyond me. No, but as soon as you add numbers... I was able to translate the num- Once I figured out that the logic was possible, I would look at a Sudoku puzzle and translate the numbers 1 through 9 to A through I until I got to the point where I could do the logic and the numbers weren't numbers anymore. Right. So now I play Sudoku all the time and I love it. I think it's fun, really I... fun way to pass the time. Mm-mm. But it took me a really long time, like way longer than it should take anybody to learn how to well, play Sudoku. Well, that's the thing. I, I am so there with you. You have no idea. I did really well in high school without even trying in a lot of the English courses that I took. Anything that involved words, writing, creative thinking. Uh, I was in challenge class in elementary school. I did very well with all that. Any time I've ever had a roadblock in school, it has always, always been math. Yep, me too. You show me numbers and my mind immediately checks out. Just completely cuts off. There's research to indicate that some of it is genetic. So you just have a problem. Your brain is wired in a way that means that you can't read numbers the way dyslexics can't read letters. And then there is some some research that indicates that it is actually just like an almost 100% environmental. Right. In terms of the way that, you know, your school went about teaching math or the way that your parents reacted when you had math homework or whatever that triggered those things. So if you had really shitty volleyball coaches as math teachers, yeah, yeah, <laughs> couldn't yeah. explain anything to you and then got mad when you got 
bad grades on a test right. or whatever, that those things build up. And I will tell you how bad my capacity for math is. It's the only thing I've ever had to be tutored in and not just geometry. Ninth grade algebra, I had, I was required to meet with my ninth grade math teacher after class mm-hmm. to work on it because I simply could not understand it. It barely passed that class by the skin of my teeth. Um, when I had to take algebra in college to get the math credits, best teacher I've ever had was a guy named Mr. Habib, and he was an algebra teacher, and he was wonderful. He made it entertaining. He made it exciting. He offered his own time on Saturdays to tutor people for free. He offered a Saturday class for people that were struggling for free. This is a man who should be celebrated in the ranks of teaching because he made math fun. I barely passed that class with a C. I did have a coach teach math in uh, 10th grade, maybe, maybe 11th. And uh, this is how bad this was. I am firmly against the idea that if you're a coach, you also have to teach a class because they don't give a shit 90% of the time. and will learn nothing. This guy would literally let everyone just shoot the shit in class. He'd read Sports Illustrated at his desk. The day before a test, he would put the answers to the test on the overhead projector. And then the next day, tell us we could use our notes. Somehow, I got out of that class with a C. This is how disconnected I am from math. Okay. I am hideously bad at it. It literally has a physical effect on me when you show me an equation. Where it's not like you where I see the numbers moving, but my mind just instantly shuts down and goes, no, no, this is not going to happen. I am so there with you as far like, as I math still, is concerned. To this day, there were scientific avenues of research that I wanted to oh, pursue. Absolutely. That I was prohibited from doing because I couldn't pass a pre-algebra I tried to take class. astronomy, stupidly thinking it had nothing to do with math. It has everything to do with math. Yep. And so I have to, if I want to learn something scientific or number math related, I have to have it translated into not math for me to be able to parse it and understand it. And even then it will take me longer than it should to actually grasp it. Like I'm, I am really good with uh, logic puzzles. Yes. Like really super good with logic puzzles. There's one logic problem that I have to work through from the beginning Every time it comes up, it's called the Monty Hall problem. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. I'm not, actually. I will do a poor job of explaining it because I haven't thought about it in a while, so I don't understand it again. I can tell you right now, Carissa, it's not going to do any good. It's fine. (laughs) Do you know what the worst thing I can ever hear in my life is? Someone Hmm. asking me. So a train's traveling at blah, 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 blah. I immediately check out. Uh, (laughs) But the Monty Hall problem is basically a logic problem, but it is the answer the right answer is rooted in mathematical principles, as are many answers to logic problems. All right, I'll try and it, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to suck at it. The right answer doesn't make sense to me, even though I know intellectually it's the right answer because mathematically that's correct. Yes. But I still don't know why the math works out that way because I don't yes. inherently understand the math and oh, my brain I'm, stops being able to process it. I am so there with you. So if I don't want to go through the whole problem right now because no. it's slightly big but if you're listening and you're interested and you don't know about it off the top of your head just look up the monty hall problem monty i'll look hall it up as game soon show. as this podcast is over and i'll tell you right now i won't be able to answer it monty hall was a game show host mm-hmm. and like the, even the wikipedia article explains it pretty easily so 
I can get it once it's explained, but I have to go through it very slowly. Yes. And every time I do that, I have to work both backwards and forwards like three or four times trying to remind myself (laughs) why the answer is the answer that it is. I cannot tell you how many teachers I had just looking at me with a blank stare after they'd explained something five times to me. And yeah, I still and just, went, I still didn't get it. I have no idea what yeah. you're talking about. I'm still that way. It bothers me. And if I if I have to, for whatever reason, uh, do anything mathy that isn't just really basic consumer I get, math. I'll get a fucking cold sweat if I have to do something mathematic and it's important. Um, I do get I do get very minor panic attacks and I will start to cry and like my hands will start to get clammy. Oh, my God. Having to buy a graphics calculator when I took algebra or calculus or whatever the fuck I took it is that I that I took that I needed a graphics calculator for. I thought it was really neat because I was like, ooh, big screen, digitals, yay. Within a day, I was like, I hate this fucking thing. It is the bane <laughs> of my existence because I just can't understand it and never will. I have given up trying to understand it because, you know, some of the bitching about math being taught in school is true. A lot of it you don't need to get by in life unless you want to be in some sort of scientific position. But, yeah, even at work, even now, if I'm presented and I have been with something mathematic, I go, you're going to have to give me at least an hour because I have to sit down and write all this out and see it laid out in front of me and pour over it multiple, multiple multiple times before I can even come close to understanding it. Like at this point, both C and K are really good with math. They're both like yeah. calculus people. They get it. So yeah. if I have them and I, I am a STEM person mostly except for the M part. Cause I don't fucking get math, but <laughs> I love researching stuff about new science and yeah. understanding how technology is advancing. I do too. I love all that, but there, there will come a time in any of that research where I Absolutely. come up against the math problem. I don't, fucking get it if you were to make a movie about my life it would be called bad evan failing because math is so the opposite of what i understand whereas you know matt damon could walk into the fucking chalkboard and change one number and solve the riddles of the universe and i would go i would walk into that same room and just erase that entire equation off the board like, no one just, needs this. I'll just hand it off to them and say, you figure out why the math is the way it is and then explain it to me in a way that I can understand. Right. So like there comes a time in any of this research that I ever do, which I do all the time because I really get a kick out of it. Oh, it's absolutely fat. The science that I just behind it is hit so fascinating. This wall. That's and what then, is frustrating, though, about thinking science is interesting, that you have to deal with the math at some point. Yep. It so frustrates me. I can be watching a documentary, and as soon as they go, you know, anything more complicated than this is how many miles the sun is from the Earth, I'm like, oh, fuck you. Just tell me we're going to meet aliens at some point. <laughs> I just can't. I can't let it lie like that. And it causes me a lot of anxiety when it comes up because I can't. I can't just it would, let it go. It, would be, it is like a dyslexic who is a reasonably smart person who feels stupid when they have to read something. Because I know some beautifully talented, intelligent people that as soon as you put a book in front of them, sound like a third grader because they're trying to work out the words. And that is exactly what happens to, I am assuming now, both of us, where you know we're both reasonably intelligent people who hate dealing with math because it simply makes us feel stupid. Yeah. And there are plenty of people who say, I, I don't have a head for math. They can work out an equation. As soon as as soon as X enters into it that has nothing to do with adult film, I go, I, I, I'm lost. Yeah, as I've gotten into my mid-30s, I am to the point where I can hold off the mild panic attack long enough to, sure. to uh, try. 
to give the information to someone who can break it down for me. Yes. But it, it, even doing that, like turning to someone else it and asking for help. makes you feel like Lenny turning around and going, tell me about the rabbits again. Yeah, basically. And that used to give me panic attacks. I hate doing it because I hate feeling stupid. It is the worst thing you can do to me is make me feel stupid or question my intelligence. And as soon as math comes up, I have to turn around and go, this does not make any sense to me. Explain it to me as if I were a three-year-old. Yeah, and that's that's terrible. And it takes away a lot of my nerd cred because, seriously, there's a whole bunch of math in the science, tech, you know what? engineering, that is and something math. No nerd has a right to get angry about because I bet you there are a lot of nerds and geeks that are in the same boat. Because that is one of the reasons that geekdom is so wonderful is it encompasses so many different things. You don't have to know math to love Spider-Man, and I love Spider-Man. No, but you have to know math to understand uh, string theory. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just go like, hey, this, mon- this molecule uh, can replicate itself in two places at the same time, and there might be alternate dimensions. Boom. String theory. Done. Yes, I'm sure that it's that simple. <laughs> Any it day now, NASA will be like, oh, that was it. Yeah. Oh, I'm not saying we have to figure out how to how to get. You know what, though? I heard, and this is, uh, we can get into string theory deep in another podcast, but yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who doesn't love the man? Because he can put something so simply that it makes you not feel stupid, but understand. I heard him talk about string theory on a radio show. And, you know, there's a lot more to string theory, obviously, than simply the possibility that there's a dimension surrounding our same plane of existence that we can't see, feel, or touch. But in order to get there, he has a great way of explaining it, and it just makes so much sense. He would be the only person that could ever beat Mr. Habib at teaching math, I guarantee you. (laughs) But we can talk about string theory in another podcast yeah, because we're both fascinated by it. I am fascinated by the sci-fi part of it, (laughs) the fact that there could be another Evan sitting right here having the same conversation that might be missing an eye. Okay. Anyway, so yes, we both hate math. We can't wrap our minds around it. Uh, I don't think that hurts our geek cred as much as some of the other things. It hurts my nerd cred. Okay, well, then you go play with the ousted nerds in the corner yeah, of the right. lunchyard. Play marbles where all the other nerds are doing calculus and playing with Rubik's Cubes on the other side of the lunchyard. Yep. Whereas I'm about to say something that's going to kill my geek horror and nerd cred and possibly my friendship with you. I never got into the X-Files. That's fine. And all the the right elements were there. Gillian Anderson, hot. David Duchovny. Also incredibly talented. Hot. Yes, but we're going with the shallow first. Okay. We'll get deeper into it. But yes, both of them incredibly talented. Although for a while there, I didn't get David Duchovny. He bored me when I watched him. But at He's some point, dry. something he is very dry. But when that clicked, I got him. But for a while, I was like, he's just dull. But then when I understood him, I loved him. I still love David Duchovny. I have watched a couple of episodes of The X-Files that I really enjoyed. They had a really good zombie episode. Um, the classic episode everyone knows with the guy that can fucking slip under doors. Oh, God. Go through ventilation shafts. Tombs. I very much enjoyed it. I never... I watched the first uh, X-Files movie. Okay. And still never said, I have to go back and watch this show. And now this is something that I think is the one... The only reason I bring it up last... Is because it's a big deal to a lot of geeks, but it is also something I think I could be reformed with. I think if I were to sit down and watch The X-Files from beginning to end, it would hold my attention way more than Fringe, Doctor Who, or Battlestar Galactica. I, I just haven't had enough impetus to do that yet. But now with the potential of a reboot or a reimagining or a continuation of the series coming, maybe it's the time to do that. 
I am just not an exophile at this point in my life. I will say, and this is something that I've noticed in all the things that you said, is that you've seen a couple episodes here and there. Yes. Stop seeing a couple episodes here and there of anything. <laughs> Start at the beginning, go to the next one. Well, yeah, but I tried that with Battlestar Galactica. I tried that with, uh, well, no, I haven't tried that with Doctor Who. But yeah, with the X-Files, it was one of those things where for some reason I wasn't there at the beginning. I just got into it and watched an episode or two when everyone told me, oh my God, it's so good. And so there, are, said, there are certainly one-off episodes. The overarching story doesn't come into every episode right. of The X-Files. There are those that you can just watch and it's just standalone and it's episode, fine. Perfect example. Right. And that's cool. That's great. But if you want to know what the thing about The X-Files was, or any show, honestly, you have to start at the beginning and go one after the other. You can't just pick and choose the ones that you watch and then assume that that's the whole right. of it. Well, I mean, it was the same way for me with Lost. Everyone was talking about what a great show Lost was. And I remember my girlfriend at the time, somebody let her borrow the first season on DVD. It was like 10 o'clock at night. We were just, oh, let's watch the first episode. And then did you to- go to sleep that night? No. No, no, you did not. <laughs> we Neither finished we. the first episode and looked at each other and said, well, Next fuck, episode. we can't go to sleep yep. now. And you watched the whole season in one day, didn't you? Uh, probably took about a week because yep. at some point we had to tear ourselves away. That is exactly what we did. One of the best first seasons of a TV show I yep. have ever seen, period, it, bar none. At the time, and this is, keep in mind, just at the time, not now in hindsight that we've seen all the rest of it, just at the time, yes. it was the most revolutionary, amazing, oh my God, it was amazing, compelling television that had ever been created. It was fantastic. Yes. So getting into a show like that from the beginning, yes, that is definitely a must. So maybe I will give the, and then. Maybe maybe why I moved it to the last thing on my list because I had written it as the third. But maybe this is a good way to tie it up and finish the episode because we've been talking about this shit for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I said we wouldn't have a lot of stuff to talk about at the beginning of this episode? Yeah. And this will be a good ending question because now I'm thinking, you know what? I should go back and try and watch The X-Files from the beginning. Yeah. Is there something on your geek list that you're going to try again? Um... On your non-geek list, let's just say. Mm, I've tried Game of Thrones several times. Maybe try Lord of the Rings again? I've tried Lord of the Rings uh, probably a dozen times at this point. Mm. I probably will try to pick it up again. I don't have high hopes of it turning out differently. Hey, I'm not going to promise you the X-Files is going to suck me in. But Um, I will try it. I'm probably not going to do Battlestar Galactica or V again. See, I never even gave the new V a chance. Hmm. Mm-mm. I mean, you might really dig it. I don't know, but I, it did not at all live up to its mm. predecessor. Like, it just wasn't right. Um, no, I think that I'm pretty pretty solid in my stuff I've tried and don't like. Do you have, as a way to close this out, any honorable mentions? Something we don't have to go into huge detail about. You did say you had more than five on your list. Yeah, I uh, I never really got into either Babylon 5 or Buffy. Uh, I'm the same. I'm, I'm right there with you. I watched a couple of episodes of Buffy. It was fine. Um, my big thing with Babylon 5, and maybe I'm just too shallow, was I felt like the effects were a little bit lacking. I think that is a big thing for me. I am almost finished with the second season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we talked about this in the Marvel episode, so I'm not going to go too farther into detail about it. But there is something about the fact that it kind of, in moments, looks like a TV show that pulls me out. And I think Babylon 5, for me, was the same way. Whereas, yeah, when they're standing on the bridge of the Enterprise in the next generation, it's a TV set. 
But there yeah. was something about the gravitas of it all that yeah. made it work. I'm a huge Next Generation fan. Me too. And I think for the most part it still holds up. Uh, the first season and a half to two seasons are actually a little uh, they're, they're, hard to they're watch. Janky. They're janky. Yeah. No doubt. But everyone admits that you know by the third or fourth season it really hit its stride. It is much better. Yes. contained its stride all the way through. And and not just that it was better, but that it still holds up today, twenty years later. It, 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 the, the second it came on Netflix, I started watching it again yep, just to go. Me too. Is this good? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. It isn't just a question of effects or any because some of the effects don't hold up all that well. But for the most part, I felt like Babylon Five was maybe too reliant on some of the aliens and the effects and things, and it lost me a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know what it was. It just never. I just. And the, the humor in Buffy just didn't hit me. It wasn't funny enough, and nothing else about it was good right. enough to keep okay, me I remember watching it interested. and going, this isn't bad. I just don't love it. Yeah. That's basically how I feel about both of those. Yeah. I would have to add those to my list as well. Honorable mentions, Buffy and Babylon 5. I'm trying to think if there's anything else geek-wise that I have an honorable mention for. I don't think so, but I'm sure I will think of some. We could do this style of episode again at some point. But for the most part, I think we have alienated enough geeks to stop now. So we don't lose all of our listeners. Yeah, probably. So, Carissa, I know this is in our music, but just to make sure, tell people how they can get in touch with us. Uh, you can find us on, on the tweets on Twitter at Lucky underscore 10K. Should they review us and rate us on Stitcher? Uh, absolutely. Would we read out a five-star review on the show? I don't know. Would we? I think we might. Okay, cool. Yeah, we would totally do that. We are also on iTunes now. Yeah, we totally are. So please, please, please. And, and we absolutely encourage feedback. As long as you don't just call us, you fucking hate Buffy, you fucking douchebags, have something to say. But if you want to email us and actually get into a discussion, maybe there's something we missed. Maybe there's a reason Battlestar Galactica is brilliant that we have both missed. Tell us. Yeah, absolutely. You can email us at lucky10,000, all spelled out, at gmail.com. This is probably the most discussion-ready episode we've ever done, so please discuss. We absolutely encourage it. We love it. Yeah, so Geeks if you love talking about really shit. love Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire and have an argument about it that I haven't already read, feel right. free to, uh, or even, you know, one that I have, feel free right. to email it to me and, uh, you know... It'll be interesting to hear other people's perspectives on it. If you are a Pokemon fanatic, if you're a Pokemon, then just fucking tell us. Tell Hell me yeah. why I'm wrong about Pokemon. Just don't make fun of my penis size. <laughs> you can. I mean, it's very easy to do. Just please don't. Make it civil. Sure. We've tried very hard to be pretty civil. You should Correct. too. But please, we will definitely... It could give us a whole other episode. Just viewer... Uh, viewer, listener emails about the things we talked about today. That could be a whole other episode where we discuss it even further and even deeper, and you may change our minds. Absolutely. Give it a shot, people. There's nothing you can lose except your dignity when we make fun of you. But <laughs> until that time, give it a shot. We'll be respectful until you call us douchebag cunts. Right. So... I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope you continue to listen to us, that we haven't insulted the thing that you love more than anything else. It's just our opinions, people. Everyone's entitled to them. And yes. the wonderful thing about geekdom is that everyone can have one and still be a geek. Hell yeah. So thank you very much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you got lucky tonight. Good night, nerds. Good night, nerds. 
Thank you for being a part of the Lucky 10,000, with your hosts, Evan and Carissa. Email us at lucky10,000 at gmail.com. Find Lucky 10,000 on Twitter at lucky, underscore, 10k. And, visit our podcast network site, at beardedpodsnetwork.com.